joining us tonight here at <coughs> excuse me, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. We're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on Everless Change by Andrew Womack. And we're still in Chapter 6 tonight. Uh, let me get the title again uh, real quick here. Sorry. Uh, subject of Doubt. And so that's the title of the chapter. We're under the section heading, uh, Hope Deferred. And so we'll be talking about hope. We'll be talking about love. We'll be talking about, uh, anyway, uh, we'll get into all that in just a minute. So, uh, again, we're uh, Everless Change by Andrew Womack. All of our Bible studies, just so you know, are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we always say thank you to all of our financial supporters who have supported us with their tithes and their offerings to this ministry. And you can do so, in case you didn't know, through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. That being said, uh, we're going to be back in the Bible study tonight on Effortless Change. Now, in case this is the first time you're joining us, what not? Effortless Change, what's that all about? <coughs> Effortless Change, uh, this, type, this book is really about being in God's Word. Hiding His Word in your heart. Uh, meditating on His Word day and night. night. We'll eventually get into the parable of the sower. Perhaps not tonight, but eventually the study. You know, a seed. When you plant a seed in the ground, and you give it proper water, and farming, gardening, whatnot, you can't produce that. You don't do anything to make that seed grow. You can create the environment for that. You can create the atmosphere for that. You can help uh, facilitate that. But if the seed grows effortlessly, as long as it's abiding in the good good soil with good water and the proper amount of sunshine, you know, if we will prioritize a relationship with God, this kind of goes with my message this morning, you know, if we will walk in the Spirit, we, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't control the flesh by, you know, we're talking about change, effortless change, excuse me, um... You can't get changed by you trying to do it on your own. That's, you know, and it sounds like a a contradictory statement, effortless change. <coughs> you know, so many people have been frustrated because they can't change, and they've been trying, trying, trying. Well, that's part of the problem you're trying. And kind of like Yoda and Star Wars, no try, do. You know, and uh, you walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. How we grow how we mature, how we disciple, how we change. We're transformed, yes, by the renewing of our mind, but we got to feed that mind the right material to be transformed too. we got to be in the Word of God and allow His seed, His nature, His virtue change our lives from the inside out effortlessly versus us trying to do it uh, religiously from the outside in. You know, you can't, you can't make a life... You can't make real, genuine changes from the outside in. It has to happen from the inside out. And uh, that's that's where the effortlessness comes in. There's an effort to be in the Word of God. There's an effort to, in any relationship. There's an effort involved in that regard. But to see the nature of God, as you're pursuing the nature of God, His nature in you will change your life where it will seem like effortlessly. And so, anyway. Uh, Sherry's going to read for us. Again, we're in Chapter 6. Uh, Set to the doubt, and we're under the section heading, uh, Hope Deferred, on page 56, in case you have a book and you're following with us. What do you need to be able to believe? That's a really good question. Some people think 
If I was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, I wouldn't struggle with doubt. If I could see a vision, if I had a tangible tingling in my hands, if I could hear an audible voice from God, then I would believe. John had every one of those things, and yet here he was doubting. It doesn't matter who you are or how strong your faith has been. Every one of us is capable of doubt. When you get put in a negative situation over a long period of time, the tendency is to doubt. Negative circumstances tend to just beat faith out of you and cause doubt to come. That's exactly what happened with John the Baptist. He had been in prison for at least six months, possibly as long as two years by this time. John had been a stark, raving, mad fanatic of God. He was bold, wild, and fearless. John pronounced judgment against Herod because he had taken his brother's wife while his brother was still alive and made her his wife. See Matthew 14, verses 3 and 4. It was an ungodly alliance, and John risked everything speaking the truth about it. In time, his boldness cost him his life. He was imprisoned because of it and then killed. John was fearless in proclaiming what was right and wrong. He lived to speak God's truth and see people change. Once he came on the scene, his preaching changed an entire nation in six months' time. John was a high-energy guy who just loved to be in the center of it all, speaking forth God's word. He was a bony-fingered prophet. That's the way John was. Yet now we see him silenced and put in prison. Sure, he probably talked to the prison guards about God, but he was kept physically restrained from being able to continue to fulfill his ministry. Proverbs 13.12 reveals that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. John the Baptist's hope was to be out there preaching the gospel, preparing the way for the Lord, and turning people to him. Yet it just wasn't coming to pass. So this began to wear on him. You know, a lot of people have, um, what I want to say, camp out on that verse from Proverbs 13.12. Uh, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We we have ministered to a lot of people through the years, and I I've used that verse myself at times. So I'm not picking on anybody. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, you know, and 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 it's true. It's a proverb. It's the word of God, and so I'm not discounting what the what the word says. It, you know, but there's also at the same point in time, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, just pride themselves, or and that's their excuse. That's what that's the verse. They're, you know, if, I, if I ask them what verse they're standing on, that's the verse they're standing on, and yet they're only quoting half the verse. And there's nothing good about a sick heart. <laughs> yes, hope deferred will make the heart sick. That's a proverb. Uh, proverbs are good for whether you're saved or not saved. They're they're not a uh, respect your persons. It's just a proverb. At the same point in time. Uh, you know, hope deferred will make the heart sick. When you're trusting for them, believing something, you know, and Andrew in the last two chapters have been using the analogy of uh, John the Baptist, <coughs> you know, uh, you know, he's been in prison for six months, maybe two years, as Andrew's saying, and we don't know the exact date and time of all this, but any, uh, he's been there for a length of time. And, you know, so, you know we minister to a lot of people who are going through a problem and an issue, and it seems there's a longevity to it. And through through the process, through the longevity, your heart can get sick. And I'm not 
picking on people for uh, their heart being sick in that regard. Uh, but I don't want to camp there. I, I mean, um, I don't want to stay there. That, that's not the verse I'm going to stand on. At least that half of the verse. The other half of the verse says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, I like that part. And that, yeah, that same point in time, people are also it goes back to the first part of the verse when it says, but when the desire comes. And they're like, yes, but the desire hasn't come. And so my heart's still sick. You know, um, on Sunday mornings I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit, but beginning in May uh, I'm going to be talking about the spirit of faith. Experiencing the spirit of faith. And Paul says to Timothy, uh, this, he's not, they did not give us a, power, a spirit of fear. <laughs> <coughs> fear, excuse me, but power, love, and a sound mind. The spirit of faith is a power, love, and a sound mind. And fear and faith are opposites. You know, doubt and hope are opposites. <laughs> you know, and so hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that is true. But, but, but church, we have a living hope. And our hope is not on our circumstances. Our hope is not in our situation. Our hope is not in, I hope it happens. You know, the word hope is defined in Scripture as an uh, expectation of good. That's how it's defined in the Greek. <coughs> Excuse me. And hope deferred makes our heart sick, but we have a living hope, and His name is Jesus. And we have hope. And, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when the answer comes, it is a tree of life. Well, in a sense, the answer has come. It's come through Jesus Christ to the finished work. Your healing, your provision, everything you're praying for, everything you're hoping for is already found in Jesus. It's already come. So in one sense, it's not deferred. Uh, I understand you haven't seen the manifestation yet. So now in that regard, it seems like it's been deferred. But when the answer comes, it's like a tree of life. And just like Adam and Eve, <coughs> excuse me, were able to partake from the tree of life before the fall, you and I, no matter what we're hoping for, no matter how long it seems it has been deferred, you and I can partake from the tree of life and receive our help in time of need. The desire is come, it's here, receive. And so, uh, anyway, that's, that's uh, you know, um, trying to turn this back to John the Baptist and different things. Our hope needs to be based on the Word of God. Our faith needs to be found in the Word of God. My hope is not in the situation. My hope is in God. And I can have a living hope. I can have an expectation of good. You know, despite what it looks like, no matter how long it's been going on, I can have an expectation of good. And that's what I think Andrew's trying to say regarding John the Baptist. Jesus was trying to encourage John the Baptist to look to the Word. What does the Word of God say about me? And he was rekindling that hope in John the Baptist, who in the moment had lost some hope. And even the best of us, even the best of us like John the Baptist, who was the last prophet of the Old Testament, he had lost some hope in the moment. He had a great ministry, but, and he, you know, he was, uh, and we, even the best of us can lose our hope in that sense. But Jesus was trying to, let, to get him back to the Word of God to rekindle that hope in the Word of God. So.
And you know, it's interesting how Andrew brings this out because I had never seen that angle of John the Baptist's story before. Um, and you know, I appreciate Dave's sharing, you know, the rest of the verse about a hope, uh, heart, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, that I mean, I've been guilty of hanging on to that, that verse without reading the rest of it. But uh, even Paul uh, to the Thessalonians, he says, um, okay, I just had it. Okay, I was further down, but it's actually in verse 3, uh, but I'll start with verse 2. Paul says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. You know, it just reminded me that, you know, with, with when you hope, you have that, that patient expectation of good that's coming, and we know that Christ Jesus is our hope. Um, and so... There, there's always hope in every situation, and yet, it, you know, we've been to the <coughs> depths of despair, to quote Anne of Green Gables, uh, when things are not looking so pretty. And I'm always reminded of Mike Hesh's uh, healing testimony, and, you know, check out his, his ministry. Um, you know, he had a visible tumor that was growing and gross, and I'm not going to describe it but it was it was pretty bad and you know to have that visible in your face all the time uh, with everything that went with it you know you could very easily lose hope but Mike held on to the word of God and he held on to his hope and um, he has an amazing testimony and any testimony of anyone who's ever been healed and you can uh you know, just look up the testimonies just from Andrew's ministry alone, and they all clung to the hope, to the Word of God, and knew that God was true, and every man a liar, uh, to quote that verse, and they just knew who held their hope, who was the answer to their hope, who was the one that was truth, um, and... I, I get when you're going through something that is screaming in your face about lack, about health issues, you know, whatever it might be, um, even family issues. And yet, uh, you know, Jesus didn't come just for our salvation. He came to heal all of it. He came to hear, to heal our broken heart. He came to, to heal our diseases. He came to, to cast out the, the evil spirits. Um, to restore what was lost, to uh, give sight to the blind and, and, and hearing to the deaf. I mean, he came to recover it all, not just to make a way to get to heaven. And thereby, that's why he is our hope. He has an answer for everything. All right, well, let's keep reading. Uh, the next section is called uh, the, the Church Age. Another important factor that contributed to John the Baptist's doubt was the misunderstanding of what Messiah would do when he came. 
During the time of Jesus, the people didn't have a clear understanding that the coming of the Lord would take place in two advents, as we call it. The first coming of Jesus culminated in his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Since then, there's been this intervening period of time of more than 2,000 years, which we call the church age. Today, believers everywhere continue to look forward to the second coming of the Lord. Revelation 22, verse 20. All this was prophesied in the Old Testament, but it all ran together in the people's minds. Take, for instance, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, which Jesus quoted in Luke 4, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, Luke 4, uh, 18 and 19. This was definitely a prophecy of the Messiah that was fulfilled when Jesus came to this earth in his first advent. Jesus did, was doing, and would later do all of these things. He himself declared, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, Luke 4.21. Yet in comparing Luke 4.18 and 19 with Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, Notice how the Lord stopped right before completing verse 2, which says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Why did Jesus stop before proclaiming the day of vengeance of our God? Because that portion of the prophecy about him will come to pass at his second coming when he brings judgment to the earth. You can see that if you just read the Old Testament scripture without the benefit of the New Testament commentary, it would be easy to run these things together. Okay, thanks, Sherry. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have a lot to say here, you know, um, you know, about the church age and whatnot. Um, you know, I do, I do love this passage here in Luke and that he's quoting from Isaiah 61. And I have actually taught on this portion, portion where he only quotes from verse 2 of Isaiah uh, 6 when Jesus quotes that. Because, you know, the vengeance of our God hasn't come yet. It's not coming to the second coming. You know, um, uh, I just, I just something I was going to comment on here real quick. I'm trying to see it. Um, you know, and as much as, uh, you know, I am looking forward to the second coming. But I also, uh, I, you know, because I want to see as many people come to the kingdom as possible. I'm glad that he's been patient and not coming, you know. I want him to come because I want to go be with the Lord, and I'm tired of living in this uh, this world without... Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to a new heaven, new earth. But I don't want to be so selfish that I... I, I'm, I, I there's people that need to come into the kingdom, and I, I, I'm I'm so, so willing to be patient for that to happen. Uh, at the same point in time, you know, when he comes again, and he is coming, and his time is very short, and he's coming, you know, uh, it's win-win for us, but it's over for some people. And so, anyway, that just, I, mean, I know that's not what, we, what we're talking about here, but it just, uh, uh, whenever I think of the second coming, that's what I'm thinking of, you know. Um, anyway, do you have anything you want to think back on? Well, I'm still kind of getting my thoughts. No, uh, I just I think it's good, and I, and I, I don't want to go off on too many tangents, but to me, it does tie into the effortless change by 
being reminded, like John was, that Jesus is the Messiah, and yet, you know, back in John's day, people's view of the Messiah was, you know, Rome was conquering them, and they were going through a lot of different things, and they expected him to come charging in and be on the throne, the physical throne, when he didn't come just to save the Jews at that time. He came to not only fulfill all prophecy, but to let us know that he came for all of us and to do what he he read about himself in in uh, in the verses in Isaiah and Luke that that Andrew's talking about that he came to set people free in every which way. And uh, we just need to be reminded of that. And it goes with earlier when, when Dave was saying how people want to change and they try to do it themselves and they just fall on their face and, and fail. When G G Jesus, uh, you know, Andrew's sharing, and if you read the Bible, Jesus himself came so we wouldn't have to struggle and strive on our own to to fix ourselves when that doesn't work. He came to show us the way that he is the way, the truth of the life, that we can come to the Father through him, that he can heal our broken heart. He can uh, uh, do all these these things and... We don't have to strive and worry about it. All we have to do is believe. You know, Andrew started out talking about John, and, you know, John was very strong and full of belief that, behold, this is the Lamb of God that, that came to take away the sins of the world, and then gets thrown in prison and says, you know, are you really the Messiah? Because maybe I'm missing something here. And Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah, I don't have a lot to comment here. It's good stuff. I just, uh, don't, just don't have a lot to pick back up. So let's keep reading. Uh, heart sick. All of these Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah gave the impression that the first and second coming of Jesus would take place as one event. People didn't clearly understand that there would be two advents. Due to this, the people of Jesus' time eagerly anticipated that the Lord would not only come and reconcile us back to God, but that he would also put down Roman rule, institute the kingdom of God, judge the ungodly, and physically rule on the earth. That's what they were expecting. Personally, I believe that John the Baptist was of the same opinion, which was one of the reasons that he began to doubt that Jesus was indeed the Christ. At one time, John had no doubt. He heard an audible voice and seen a visible sign, but things weren't playing out the way he thought they would. He thought that if Jesus truly was the promised Messiah, he would have come and destroyed the Romans. He thought Jesus would have come and taken him out of prison. He thought Jesus would have ushered in the kingdom of God and begun to physically rule upon this earth. Those things weren't happening. It could have been up to two or two and a half years time since John had baptized him. But Jesus still hadn't yet made a political statement. He hadn't tried to he hadn't tried to reform society. Jesus was simply speaking to individuals about their personal relationship to God. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, Proverbs 13:12. If John the Baptist's hope wasn't right on, 
this negative experience could have caused his heart to sink. If he was like almost everybody else in scripture, he too was wondering, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Acts 1 verse 6. If John the Baptist didn't have a clear understanding that there was going to be this church age intervene between the first and second comings of the Lord, then these negative circumstances could have caused his heart to become sick. John wasn't seeing his hope for the kingdom of God coming to pass. He was locked up in prison and couldn't minister anymore. Prisons in those days were horrible places. Yet not being able to fulfill your God-given calling can be even more frustrating and discouraging than physical imprisonment. It's obvious that all of these negative circumstances work together to cause John the Baptist to go back and reconsider. Have I heard from God correctly? Did I miss him? If you're in negative circumstances, if your hope has been deferred and you aren't seeing things come to pass the way you thought you should, you could also fall into this same trap. Jesus himself said that John the Baptist was the greatest man that had ever lived on the face of the earth up until this time. See Matthew 11:11 11, 11 and Luke 7:28. John the Baptist was the greatest man who had ever lived, yet even he was subject to doubt. When he got into a high-pressure situation, he began to doubt even the things that had been so emphatically confirmed to him. This just shows us that anybody is capable of doubt. And that's true. And that's what we've been saying. That we're, you know, we're all capable of doubt. And I like how Andrew brings out the scriptures, how John was one of the greatest uh, mans or prophets who ever lived. At the same point in time, I also appreciate this section of the chapter because he brings the whole chapter to perspective. You know, uh, this was some of the things I wanted to say from the last section we read, yeah, but I just didn't have the words yet. And, you know... I mean, I have to put myself in sometimes in people their shoes. I, I try to do that one with many circumstances. I put myself in their shoes. Jesus, you know, they they didn't have the written scriptures like we did, but their interpretation of scripture was that there was a lot of prophecies about the Messiah, but a lot of people then didn't have a revelation that there was going to be two comings of Jesus: the first coming and the second coming. And so a lot of times they put the scriptures together thinking that, and so that there was an expectation of something happening during his first coming that they wouldn't see happening, including John. And, you know, we've taught this many times, especially with marriage counseling, but also other type of counseling in ministry, that when some, most arguments, most uh, strife in the relationship, and this can be happen in an employer-employee relationship too, not just a marriage, but or even in a friendship. But when expectations are not met, that's when uh, people get uh, uh, bent out of shape. And I'm putting that mildly. But when we, we have expectations, and when those expectations are not fulfilled, uh, we get upset. And so most of us, those are pet peeves. <coughs> and so John had expectations of the Messiah, and some of them have come to pass, but not all of them. And he did not have the revelation to distinguish between the first coming and the second coming. You know, you know and this expectation, hope deferred, can make the heart sick. And so, and so, you know, he began to doubt some things. But we, 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 <coughs> you know, they they didn't have the revelation then. Not all of them, anyway, that there was going to be a church age. You know, in that church age, it's the last been since Pentecost, 
till now. And there are a lot of prophecies that are not fulfilled that are actually being fulfilled before our very eyes today and are speaking towards the second coming of the Jesus. So of us also, in a similar way, uh, as, the, as the first century, thought there were some prophecies that were going to happen then that are going to happen in the second company. Some of us also, there's some prophecies I believe that uh, I didn't, uh, that we think happened in the first one that are going to happen in the second one. Anyway, that's a, that's a minor thought. But it just, uh, <coughs> you know, we're talking about effortless change. We're talking about the Word of God. And how does all this story about John the Baptist, Hope, Hope Deferred, Old Testament, New Testament, all this stuff, uh, come back to us? We need the Holy Spirit's help to help us divide the Word of Truth. Uh, because hope, faith, come from the Word of God. And John's answer was the Word of God. His hope deferred was because he thought certain scriptures were supposed to be fulfilled. But they weren't being fulfilled, and so his heart began to get sick. <coughs> but he also didn't have a perspective that some of that was speaking of a second coming of Jesus, the church age. But when he, and Jesus began to put some of that in perspective for him through the word of God, it, res, it put some resolve in his heart. You know, we we got to allow scripture to answer scripture. And, we, and sometimes we get into a place where we are on a fork in the road, and we're like, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. What's going on? Your word says this, but I see this happening. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us and show us the answer through the Word of God. Um, because that, when, when we have doubt and when we are confused, confusion doesn't come from God, but the Holy Spirit can, can sort all that out in a way that we can understand it using Scripture. It says the Holy Spirit will bring the Scripture to our remembrance. He's a he's a uh, spirit of truth, and so we need to allow our teacher, our guide, our counselor, the Holy Spirit, to teach us and to guide us when we don't understand what's going on. Why is this happening? Why is this not happening? So we can understand. Because if we don't understand, that lack of understanding can be a, a roadblock in our hearts because we're like. Lord, I thought you were going to do this. This doesn't happen. And now our heart becomes deferred. Our heart becomes bitter and towards God and whatnot. And our heart becomes sick. And, and that's not good. That's not healthy. That's not right. And so um, we need to find out what, why it's not working. Because the problem is not God's Word. Our problem is either our understanding of God's Word or something that is blocking our heart, heart from walking in faith. And we need to allow God to perfect that which is lacking in our faith so we can uh, see the answer come. And, you know, a lot of our struggle with hope deferred with what we see in our own life, you know, if if we're dealing with a health issue and we're not seeing uh, God's Word comes to be manifest in our life where we're physically healed like we don't have any more symptoms we're not in pain we're not having any symptoms or maybe you know there's something about lack or whatever we're going through we read it in God's word you know we have prayer prayed over us you know we have people encouraging us and we're like okay God well where is it I'm trusting you I'm believing you but hey what I'm seeing what I'm feeling what I'm experiencing you know that's that's a big 
that, that's a big difference, God. And so we can, we can very easily get discouraged because we all, a lot of times, base it on our five senses or our emotional feelings. You know, I'm seeing my bank account not have money in it. I'm feeling the pain. I'm seeing the tumor, uh, you know, whatever it is in your list of things. I'm seeing that my, that my family's not getting along. I'm seeing that my family's struggling. I'm seeing that there's anger and, and uh, just frustration and conflict in my family. And I'm like, but, but God's word says this. Well, just just be reminded that not only is God's word true, but we walk by faith, not by sight. So many times, and I'll just point the finger at me, because I've been there, done that, I can be so discouraged by, but God, your word, you told me this, but this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm feeling. The, the, you know, my emotions are telling me different. We walk by faith, not by sight. And sometimes we can't connect that uh, in our physical brain because our mind is so in tune with how we were created to live out physically in this life. We use our senses, our, our sight, our hearing, our, our, our taste, our, you know, our touch. We live by those. You know, our nerves tell us otherwise. Yet, when you go to uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, substance, something of, that has substance, that is a tangible thing, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. We've been talking about hope this, this whole time. The evidence of things not seen. You know, when if... You know, we, we like cop shows and talk about, yeah, if I was a cop or a detective, you know, what's the evidence? What, how can I prove, you know, such and such or whatever? Uh, you know, we talk about observation skills, you know, when we're just, you know, laughing between us or, you know, watching our favorite cop show or something. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're, we're, it, you know, Dave quoted earlier about how the, the word of God, uh, or was it the Holy Spirit? I'm, I think I'm misquoting the verse about it rightly divides, uh, you know, the, the, I forget where the verse is. It might be in Hebrews about the word of God being powerful, power, like a, a powerful sword that that even divides between the soul and the spirit. We forget that there's a spiritual aspect of everything. And I, I feel like I'm fumbling with my words and I'm really trying to be, to be clear on it. And I, I really just want to encourage you, if you're going through something and you're feeling like your, your hope is deferred, that your heart is sick because your hope is deferred because you're not seeing the answer, I'm trying to bring it back to, you know, 
the faith, faith and belief that Andrew was talking about how we need to believe. We're going to be seeing our answers manifest when we believe, when we, when we let the Word of God become more real than our circumstances. Awesome. Very good. Very good. All right, that's a... Uh, um I mean, there's so much we could say. There's so much we could pick it back on. And we're hoping we're, we're conveying so you can understand. We know what we're saying. <laughs> that, uh, we're, we're hoping by the Holy Spirit's help you understand what we're trying to say. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and finish out the, the chapter. Uh, maintain thrusts. In your Christian life, you must maintain your seeking of the Lord. You can't just turn off the engine and coast. Like an airplane, you must maintain that thrust in order to be able to maintain your lift. A helicopter has the aerodynamics of a rock if you turn the engine off and the blades quit turning. It's going to fall. You must maintain that power and lift in order to overcome gravity and fly. All of us are subject to doubt. John the Baptist was a man who had been filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. He was a man who walked with God constantly, who caused the greatest revival in the history of the world. John had an audible and visible sign from God, and at one time had no doubt whatsoever about who Jesus truly was. If negative pressures and circumstances could make someone like that, over a period of time, doubt, it can happen to you. Are you someone who only seeks God every once in a while? Do you just seek him when your back is against the wall so that you can receive deliverance and then go back to your carnal ways? We need to be on guard and watchful. We need to recognize that unbelief is like gravity. It's always pulling. It never turns off. You can rise above unbelief by applying the power of God in your life, but you can't just turn your faith engine off and coast. The moment you start coasting, you're coming down. You may float and go further than someone else, but the moment you switch off that power of faith, you're headed down. If John the Baptist could doubt, you can doubt. You need to maintain your focus on the Lord and resist. Actively fight against doubt. James 4, 7. You know, in these last days, it's going to be easy to doubt. You know, uh, Palestines are coming. Are you already here? And that's not just, I don't say that to, to, to promote doubt and discouragement, but all of the New Testament authors said that last days are going to be hard times. We must maintain thrust. We must keep in the Word of God. You know, you know I'm reminded of some of the martial arts, and I don't know martial arts myself. I wish I did sometimes. But... Not that I've ever had to combat anybody, but I just think they're kind of cool. But at the same point in time, I've known good martial artists, at least from TV, <laughs> from movies I've watched. They can do it in the dark. They can do it blindfolded. You know, even Star Wars, they taught Luke Skywalker, who other did, or, or uh, Obi taught him to be do it blindfolded. And so use the force type of thing. My point is that we need to maintain thrust. We need to be, we cannot take a time off. We must may, remain, abide in him and his word. Continue that thrust because 
at any moment, any circumstance, any trial, we, there could be a catastrophe. We could enter into a World War Three, whatever the case might be. <coughs> you know, we need to keep our focus on Jesus and His Word, and all of our intel. I'm going to talk like military. All of our intel needs to come from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, not other sources. And so we can be so in tune with God that despite with all the chaos and all the different voices and all this different medias, keep our focus on God. There's a lot of turmoil in our country right now. Uh, politically speaking, presidents, whatnot, there's a lot of, you know, distrust out there because everywhere there's so many lies out there. <coughs> there's so much deception. There's so much conspiracy out there. I know that I'm not trying to be political right now, but there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of bunch of nothing but a flat out lies. And so when there's lying, there's no trust. So our direction has to come from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Even when everything's good, our intel, our direction needs to come from the Spirit of God, the Word of God. And and so, we you know, if we don't maintain that thrust, like the analogy, and just trying to paint, paint with the airplane, we're coming down. And we will fall. And because pride goes before a fall. And when you think you can handle on your own strength without the Holy Spirit, without the Word of God, that's pride. When you say you got this, you can do life, you can do ministry, you can do raise your family, do the different things you do without God and without the Holy Spirit, without the Word of God. And when you think you can change effortlessly in your own strength, that's pride. And pride goes before a fall. You're coming down. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The humble is like David who says, Lord, I need you. I come to you not in, in, in sword and spirit, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. David kept his focus on God. David, yes, he, some of the Psalms, he's like, uh, why are you so downcast all my soul? Put your hope in God. Uh, he didn't allow his heart to get deferred. Yes, he had an issue with Bathsheba and uh, his child dying, uh, which was a result of his own sin. And he did cry out and he did was pleading God for mercy and whatnot. But I don't think he ever came off the rock or he, and then once the child died, he went back to, to, you know, uh, he took off the sackcloth and ashes and he went back to work. You know, why? Because, you know, it's, it was done. But he kept his eyes on the Lord. That's why he called man after God's own heart. And so, uh, you know, there's so much to be said here, but we have to maintain thrusts. We can't take a day off. The devil doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a holiday. He doesn't take a vacation. He's out to kill, steal, destroy. He's a patient, but he's a determined and, in a sense, loyal enemy. <laughs> in the sense that he's loyal to his cause to kill, steal, destroy you. And the moment you just take take it out, take it off autopilot, that you may, you may, don't maintain that thrust, you're coming down. And uh, you know, and so don't frustrate the grace of God that way. Praise God for His grace. Praise God for all that. We need that. Without grace, we can't. We sang a song this morning, it's only by His grace. At the same point in time, in the moment you just kind of start coasting, you're coming down. You're going to fall. You know, I used to teach years ago, and, I, uh, I, and I, I've been saying it a lot lately, lately but the thing, I, the thing that, that gets you in trouble the most spiritually is not sin, but it's doing absolutely nothing. 
You stop pursuing God. You stop seeking God. You stop being in the Word of God. You stop having a relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're coming down. And uh, we've seen so many people. We've seen people who've gone to Bible college. We've seen people in ministry. We've seen people, and I'm not saying this to be negative, but we've seen people, uh, in a sense, kind of quoting the movie, take their hands off the wheel. And uh, get isolated, and isolated from God, get busy. We've seen so many people come to us with prayer requests. They get that job, they get that marriage, they get that relationship, they get this or that. They get their healing, they get their miracle, and then we don't see them anymore. It's not so much that they left us, but they they stop having God in their life, and they we've seen so many people uh, shipwreck. Uh, their faith becomes shipwreck, and their lives become shipwreck because they didn't maintain that thrust. We're not talking about works and for God to receive you, but we were saved for good works. We were not saved by good works, but we were saved for good works. There's a job to do. There's a life to live. And it's not about complacency. It's not passivity. It's not laziness. It's, there's a job to do. And by His grace, there is work to do. There's a, a job to do for the kingdom and for His glory. Anything? No, that was good. Um, I just was reminded, you know, as we're talking, you know, Dave has been uh, speaking about uh, knowing the Holy Spirit in his Sunday morning uh, message series. And, you know, even this morning he was talking about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, when you're a believer and when you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. You have the fruit of the Spirit in you as seed. But unless you walk with the Spirit, in the Spirit, that seed doesn't come to fruition. Uh, it just lies dormant until you have that relationship with God. You're in the Word and and you're watering and, and feeding that seed so it can grow. Then when you're dealing with people or your situation, your circumstances, then those seeds sprouts and that fruit comes out of you and you bear much fruit uh, if you listen to this morning's message you take john 15 and and other uh scripture to um to go with what i what i'm saying but dave made the comment that once you stop walking in the spirit uh you just go right back to walking in in the flesh and you know just like what we're saying today or this this evening you know it once you stop and just coast with well I you know I I read my Bible last week I, I think I'm good you know I'm I'm busy I'm doing life and you know I'll I'll wait till I have some downtime so I can get back in the word again well that that doesn't get you very far you coast and eventually crash and burn and I know this out of my own experience when I have done that in the past and um, yet when I'm uh, in the word of God myself and having a relationship with him, you know, that, that fruit of the spirit that's in me, the love and the joy and the patience and the self-control and all, all of those do come out and it's effortlessly. I don't have to struggle. Uh, and you know, we all, this whole section of doubt isn't to discourage us. It isn't just to discourage you. Andrew is just bringing out a point because 
he is trying to communicate and we're trying to communicate how much we need to rely on the Lord uh, for him to do the change that comes inside out. And for us, our part is to believe, but how do we, how do we get to where we believe faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we've got about 10 more minutes now. Uh, let's go ahead and ju- uh, start chapter 7. And uh, what's the title of that one? A Crisis Situation. So. As John the Baptist wrestled with doubt, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask if he really was the Christ. Matthew 11, verses 2 and 3. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Matthew 11, uh, verses 4 through 6. Luke's account of this same event, found in Luke 7, 18 through 23, adds a minor detail that makes all the difference in the world. But before we look into this further, I'd like to to encourage you to check out my Life for Today Study Bible and Commentary Gospels Edition. This hardbound book has over 600 pages containing all four Gospels in their entirety, commentary, cross-references, footnotes, and other great study tools. In addition to all this, one unique and very important feature is that the four Gospel accounts are organized chronologically event by event. This means that all the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John concerning each gospel incident have been conveniently laid out together on one page. This allows you to gain a comparative understanding of the gospels and see the slight differences of recorded details that shed important additional light on certain events that you wouldn't normally see by just reading them apart from each other. By putting the exact same story as recorded by the four different gospel authors together side by side, you can see noticeable differences. Nothing contradicts. They just add new information to paint a fuller picture of what actually happened. Whether you use the Life for Today Study Bible and Commentary Gospels editions for devotional and or study purposes, it would be a worthwhile investment and powerful addition to your spiritual tool belt. After John the Baptist's disciples asked Jesus John's question, Luke's account paints a fuller picture of the same of the scene and Christ's response by saying, And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John the things ye have seen and heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Luke Luke 7, verses 21 and 22. Matthew's account of this instant simply recorded John's disciples asking their question and Jesus answered to them. Matthew 11, 2 through 6. However, here in Luke's account, we see that before Jesus answered John the Baptist's disciples, in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight, Luke 7.21. In that same hour implies that for nearly an hour 
after the question had been asked, Jesus didn't answer John the Baptist's disciples, but he performed all of these healings and miracles. Then he told these disciples to go back and tell John the Baptist what they had just seen and heard. That's a major difference from Matthew's account where it seems like Jesus immediately answered their question with the words, go back and tell him what you have seen and heard. Notice how specific Luke was in mentioning each type of miracle Jesus performed. Later on, we'll see just how important this was. But for now, just recognize that Jesus spent about an hour performing all these miracles before telling John's disciples to go back and tell him all that they'd seen and heard. This is awesome, and I, I know we haven't finished the story, and, and Andrew's going to bring some more to connect some dots here. But that also goes to show us sometimes when now we're comparing Matthew and Luke, and Luke brings out a new element that Matthew didn't bring. That's another reason why we need to study the scriptures, because uh, you know sometimes you only get one eyewitness. You know, even a cop. We we like watching some cop shows, and a lot of times, you know. Uh, a different, a different a detective might interview this person while another group of detectives might interview this person and then they'll compare notes. And those different eyewitness accounts can give a better picture of what really happened versus just one testimony. And here, here in the Gospel letters we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are a little more what they call the Synoptic Gospels. John's a little, is a little different but it's still one of the Gospel books. And they're both, all four of them are eyewitness accounts. And so, but besides even just that, knowing the scriptures, understanding the context. So many times we take a verse out of context and we don't get the full meaning of that verse. That verse might have been good, but sometimes we can get in trouble. Because when, sometimes when we take a verse out of context, we're left with a con. And that can actually be dangerous. <coughs> but we need to read the whole context. I mean, just a minute ago we quoted Proverbs, but we didn't quote the whole verse. And some people are stuck on their hope, their hope being deferred when the rest of the verse says, but when the answer comes, or when the desire comes, it's like a tree of life. We don't have to stop with a deferred heart and a, and a sick heart. There's an answer. There's a remedy. <coughs> you know, so we need to read the whole context and not just stand behind having a sick heart that's deferred. Because hope is deferred. We need to read the context. And that's one major thing that we need to understand. And all of that takes time. It takes time to be discipled. You know, the, I think the verse that Sherry was trying to quote earlier, we need to study the Word of God that we can rightly divide the Word of Truth. Uh, you can't rightly divide the Word of Truth without some proper study. You know, so we're such a microwave generation, we want everything in cliff notes. We want everything uh, in a microwave. We want everything in three bullet points on the PowerPoint that the pastor preaches. You know, and not everything can be bullet point that way. Praise God that we have pastors and teachers who can break it down in bite-sized pieces for us. And I'm not, I'm not uh, discrediting that at all. That's why God's given people the gift of teaching. So we can understand the scriptures. That's why the Holy Spirit's our teacher. But that means as a, as a student, as a disciple, we need to be willing to learn and listen to the bullet points. We need to re be willing to take some time. I believe everyone should go to Bible college uh, to a certain degree to be discipled. We're all able ministers. There's so much to learn. We need to be so grounded in the Word of God. 
And so we have free Bible classes on our website, you know. I mean, some people would pay a lot of money to go to Bible college. We have free classes for you, <coughs> you know, and, uh, and you can go at your own pace. But sometimes when something's free, people don't take advantage of it. When they have to pay money, they want to get their money's worth. You know, maybe we should start charging. <laughs> but at the same point in time, you know, it just, uh, uh, I, you know, uh, this one little element out of Luke bring a whole picture that Matthew didn't bring in. And and, that, and it just, it takes it to another level, the whole story. And anyway, Andrew's going to bring some, connect some more dots. But this is powerful. And I, I appreciate Jesus spending a whole hour just to get, just to give some, um, um, evidence for John the Baptist to, that he could see what the Word of God is saying and to, in a sense, relieve him from these doubts that he was having, this discouragement that he was having. So, you think? Can we share? Oh, that was good. Okay. Uh, are we out of time? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, I hate to leave it on that note, so we'll have to get this picture uh, a little better next week because... Uh, I feel like we're kind of hanging on the whole story, but that's okay. We're out of time, and we'll pick it up here next week. Lord, we worship you. And Lord, uh, I just pray that we leave just valuing your word and having a relationship with your word, taking time to study your word and being taught and uh, be able to understand your word. We too. Some of us, like John, we need to hear and see and experience what you are doing. So we are, we know that we know that we know that you are the Son of God, that you are our Savior. And and so I take away any doubt that the enemy, seed of doubt that the enemy would plant in our minds, doubting whether who you are and what you've done and who you, and what you want to do in our lives. Lord, te- teach us to value your word. And we worship you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We will see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We talk about the Believer's Authority and then again on Sunday morning at 11.15 a.m. All right. God bless you guys.